everyone that hires a grad is glad they did um, in, in, in my experience because they, they bring a lot of amazing ideas and energy and they're always good value on social uh, occasions I find as well. <laughs> Welcome back to How I Built This, the podcast dedicated to telling the stories of Scottish tech companies and their successes. I'm Jack Stephen and as always we're brought to you by Cathcart Technology, Scottish technology recruitment experts. On today's episode of How I Built This, I'm joined by Cam Blackwood, who is the founder of Edinburgh Startup, Startup Grad Jobs. Cameron is on a mission to help graduates to find roles easier, as well as help startup to find graduate talent. Cam also runs his own podcast, The Coder Career, which focuses on telling the stories of how different people get into software development and tech. So if you fancy listening to that as well, check that out. Cam, welcome to How I Built This. How are you doing? I am good, thanks. And my cat is just immediately, <laughs> as soon as we start recording, you did uh, there's going to be a law around this. You turn the microphone on, you turn the camera on, recording starts, and the cat jumps straight onto the desk. So yeah, I am good. Earl is good as well. I think maybe that's what he wanted to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, pleasure to, be, uh, pleasure to be on the show, Jack. Thanks for the invite. No, no worries at all. That couldn't have been timed any any more perfect there. That was brilliant. Before we obviously go into the, the kind of company in a bit more kind of detail, um, just wanted to kind of touch back. Just obviously you've got quite a, an interesting um, background, quite similar to me, in fact. Um, studied business management um, and then kind of worked as a, a tech recruiter for years. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a fairly unconventional route into being a sort of technical uh, person. Uh, so I left school, really little idea of what to do. It was a real toss up between doing uh, Russian and uh, business. And I remember thinking Russian wouldn't be useful for any kind of employability. But these days, I feel like may- maybe given the geopolitical <laughs> events, it, it could have been quite useful in, in government or something like that. But, you know, um, sliding doors moment, I went for business. I thought that's much more generic, that's much more useful. So went and studied that at Birmingham. Um, I l- liked it broadly. Just again, went through it kind of hoping that maybe I'd find my calling. Still didn't. And, you know, ended up going into technical recruitment simply because I thought mm, I could probably make some decent money doing this uh, and weirdly I played on the computer science football team. I knew a few lads that were developers and I knew how much they were making out of uni and I thought well if I can't do this I'd probably make decent money placing these guys. Uh, so yeah. that was pretty much the motivation behind it. Nice and how did you enjoy recruitment? It was a bit of a mixed bag because I went in thinking I was Jordan Belfort and then quickly found out I was not <laughs> and I was more for thinking about spending the millions I was going to make in commission. I worked with some really nice people and I learned a ton. I'll go into this a bit more later on. I think for the average person going out of university who wants to learn about what they want to do and what they're good at, taking some kind of sales, customer-facing job straight out of uni is a really good idea. And I learned a ton dealing with clients, uh, worked a lot with German clients, which is interesting because it's completely different work culture and uh, different language and everything like that. So, you know, it was it, w- it was interesting. And then I... After a year doing conventional recruitment, I moved into working at a startup where we were trying to be a bit different. Like we had a web platform, not too dissimilar to what I'm doing now, uh, called Talent.io, which is where we were showcasing technical talent on a web platform and connecting them directly that way. So essentially a digitized agency. Uh, and then I completed it all by uh, then going back and becoming an interim internal recruiter and working for startups, trying to help them fight fires. Basically, that meant hiring like 
10 DevOps engineers in three months basically was normally normally the plan. <laughs> yeah. And is that how you kind of got the exposure to like becoming a software developer? How did that all kind of come about? I, I guess from pretty early on, I maybe took more of an interest in average with the candidates and ended up getting a lot of conversations about how stuff worked and why. And a few of them kind of said, well, if you're interested, you should try this. Use free CodeCamp. Uh, still a very popular option, but this was incredibly popular around 2017, which is when I learned because nowadays there's much more free information out there. Free CodeCamp was kind of the one-stop shop back then. I just gradually started cracking away and just working through all the exercises and courses through it. And, you know, it took a long time for me to realize that this is what I want to do. I had two stalled attempts where I was consistent with it for a few months and then quit. And then I think eventually I realized, yeah, okay, I can see myself doing this because one, I think it would be an interesting job. And two, it's going to make being an entrepreneur much easier in the future. So, you know, it was a mixture of factors that exposed me to it. I should say, and I always do try and credit whenever I'm asked about this. When I did a contract at Third Eye Labs, Raz and Peter, the founders, uh, let me do one day a week as a software engineering intern. So I'm um, eternally grateful to them because that was the first chance I was able to actually write code for money. That was when I thought, do you know what? This is amazing. This gives me that feeling that I haven't had since playing with Lego as a kid of putting stuff together and actually having it work because I'm useless at DIY. So it's <laughs> it's a nice equivalent. The thing that always kind of interests me, especially people speaking to people who cross-train from other industries and stuff, is that I think maybe we're learning the technologies is, is a bit easier, but actually learning the kind of theory behind it is is sometimes a bit harder. Did that course allow you to kind of do both? The problem with the courses and any course, because it's very hard to properly reflect this, is you can learn the answers to JavaScript trivia or you can solve a problem. Yeah. But the issue is, and the biggest hurdle, is you've got to learn to think like a computer thinks. And that's also a key part to these days working with AI, if you're not a coder, say working with ChatGPT effectively. Uh, understanding how a computer thinks is a really important skill. And people think that's really easy, but it's not because the computer doesn't make assumptions in some ways, but does in others. It will take some things literally and not others. And there'll be things where for the devs among us, say in a JavaScript statement, you've got expect like a conditional where you have something and and then you can just if you're speaking english then you could say okay the dog has a red bull and a blue bull whereas a computer wouldn't understand that properly that is the major challenge it's not about understanding what a variable is or or control flow is in programming because that's stuff you can just read up on or even ask ChatGPT these days right uh, that's the challenging bit so you're definitely right yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. And how have you kind of found it since properly transitioning into to kind of software development? I mean, the advantage is that I suppose I can I can do my work uh, basically in a tracksuit from my bedroom, which is nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can do that in recruitment. Um, yeah. But I don't know. It, it's been interesting. You miss certain things about being a client-facing role, for sure. Like there's definitely a camaraderie that I don't think you really get in many other kinds of jobs, like when you're on a sales floor. So I miss that a little bit sometimes, but I really like the idea that I'm almost like a one-man entrepreneur within the company where I can build and ship features and that kind of thing. So it's very satisfying uh, in that respect. And the job is very varied and I'm, I always have the opportunity to learn new things. So I really like it. There are definitely things I miss about being client-facing and uh, obviously the client lunches as well was always a major plus. Yeah. 
always a good benefit. And yeah, obviously fast forward to, to this year now, you've kind of started startup grad jobs. I think it was was in February. Yep. Was it in the pipeline? Is it something that you'd been thinking about kind of a lot before that or? So I originally had the idea to create a developer-focused job board a couple of years ago, and then that kind of fizzled out. And now actually the only thing that's left is a podcast, funnily enough. Um, and so that's the code of career if people want to check that out. I was kind of thinking, what am I, what am I going to do um, with a side project? Because I always want to have a side project going, so I think it's such a good way of learning new concepts and trying new things out and just keeping your skills fresh. So I, th- I figured it's very challenging to get a job at a university. So I thought I'm going to build a tracker app for graduates to be able to enter the jobs they're looking for, like record notes, do lab ratings on interviews and that kind of thing, and act like a Kanban board if if anyone's familiar with with how those work. So uh, I figured this would be such a good idea, charge $9.99, a one-time fee, all the rest of it, built the whole thing. And then I realized actually the marketing was going to be an absolute nightmare and the amount of work I'd have to do to put in one sale which is always the case of the B2C product rather than the B2B. The amount of work you have to do to put in one sale is humongous compared to the payoff, whereas B2B, you know, it's much easier to get £99 out of a business than it is £9 out of a person. So I decided to flip it and think, okay, I'm going to offer this code as a uh, free tool, basically. I'm going to flip it around. If you sign up to my graduate job board, you'll get this job tracker for free and we'll list jobs. So uh, I decided to focus on the startup niche because, as I mentioned earlier, I worked at a company, Talent.io, not long after university, and I learned so much there. I was UK employee number four, I think, and just just learned an absolute ton because the team, like I think, grew about 800% while I was there. And then as well, I, I scaled up businesses as an internal recruiter as well. So I think it's a, startups are a really good opportunity for grads. So I figured I'd, I'd build a job board for them. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's what I've heard from obviously speaking to, to kind of tech people in my network. You get a lot more responsibility and you've got to yeah be a bit uncomfortable and times getting thrown into the, the deep end. But kind of later in your career, it obviously does help you because you've been through that experience. You've been through that kind of harder, harder kind of projects and stuff. So nah, I completely get where you're coming from that. And I know you've kind of touched on it a bit there, but can you kind of go over what the, the platform actually is? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we showcase the coolest graduate positions available as well as internships uh, at high growth companies. So something we try and emphasize is a startup is more of a cultural thing than anything else. So in theory, you could have 10,000 employees and still be kind of classed as a startup. It's more about how you act as a business and your philosophies around it. So essentially, you sign up uh, with us for free, get access to a load of tools that will help you in your career. So we have the job tracker, we have the post-tax salary calculator, which is really great because it's like, say straight out of you and you're told, okay, I'm going to get a salary of 28K, but what does that actually mean? Like how much am I actually going to have in my pocket at the end of the month? Like how much do I have to pay for my student loan? Should I pay into the workplace pension? How much will I lose if I do that, etc. You know, there are all these factors. So we have that uh, and then we have some, we're always offering new free tools. We're going to launch a suite of free CV templates as well. Uh, and then, you know, it's as simple as that really. We just get, we email you great jobs. You can check the platform at any time. Um, to check out the jobs some jobs the companies themselves will come on and post them other jobs i've written a crawler that will pick up interesting jobs and then they get sent to me i then analyze them and like work out okay right is this something we want to have on there or not and if we do i'll push it through to to the website and then you can check it out Uh, those ones are flagged um, as well but that means that there's consistently good jobs on that whether they're brought in from us or not 
um, because the growth has come from one side, right? The companies aren't going to post jobs if there's no candidates and the candidates aren't going to come if there's no jobs. Of course. Yeah, no, totally makes sense. I had a, a look on it earlier on and noticed, yeah, the, the kind of varied companies that are that are on there mm-hmm. and also the kind of varied roles. Like I, I originally thought that it was purely focused on tech roles, but I can see there's a lot of like yep. business development, sales and stuff as well. Is it all kind of tech companies or is it a, a kind of range of companies as well? It's fairly varied. Uh, I would say it's it's generally speaking tech stuff. We've had some non-technical roles on there before. Just naturally, the way VC money flows to startups is it tends to end up with tech companies anyway, or the very least tech adjacent. So there's not many non-tech companies on there, but there's plenty of non-tech jobs. So we're definitely really keen on expanding to non-technical stuff so like sustainability as a as an industry is absolutely huge and we've got a couple of jobs on there from a sustainability niche uh, at the moment but i know more and more graduates are looking at doing that as a career so we're keen to tap into that market as well and partner with uh, sustainable businesses and a lot of that isn't just selling whatever software as a service you know it's um you know it's it's perhaps they release some really innovative recycled product or you know something biodegradable so there's some really interesting companies out there at the moment and we're pretty keen to feature them so any 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 that listening get in touch i can definitely talk about a discount rate have you just kind of built the the kind of company network from your own network or how have you kind of gone about getting kind of clients onto it Primarily my own network, because I mean, that's always the way you're basically asking people for favors. Like the first sort of four companies on there were all people that I just knew either through my like personal life or business life. So that that was the way I just decided to do it. So I figured it's just so much easier to get people in who know me and are willing to like find a glitch on the platform and not get angry about it. And <laughs> they can just quickly text me and say, hey, Cam, there's this problem. Like, for example, we didn't have the ability to close a job for quite a while. Um, okay. which you could say is a bit of a growth hack because it means the jobs are always up um, but yeah. obviously it's no good if the <laughs> all the jobs on there are uh, no longer available but you know that happens to the best of us I was listening to uh, Secret Leaders a few weeks ago with the founder of Vinted and she was saying when they shipped their V1 they forgot to put a buy now button so you could browse all the clothes and everything like that but there was no purchasing them so you know it happens to the best of us and they're a billion dollar company now right <laughs> yeah completely appreciate that and then obviously you started this kind of company you're you're working alongside how are you kind of weighing all that that up i'm not gonna lie it's it's pretty mad like i think you just have to enjoy what you're working on like i have to genuinely just keep it fun so I'm trying to get enough sleep. Uh, I'm trying to keep my hobbies up. Like I'm playing rugby outside of work. And I think that's the only thing that's kind of keeping me sane. So it's just one thing that's not related to coding. I can just like run headfirst into people for 80 minutes on a Saturday <laughs> instead. So, you know, that, that's that been good. I think it, it's just important to maintain the non-technical hobbies. It's huge. And then it's a combination of that and keeping it fun. We started grad jobs, like working on the technical side of things, working on stuff I find interesting and working on marketing that I find interesting as well, rather than just slogging away and trying to just do sales. Two people I should actually really shout out. Um, I have a lad who's working with me as a founding engineer, Louis, who's a current student at Manchester, and he is available for graduate jobs. And I can say he's an unreal coder, so everyone should uh, should offer him a job. He has been helping me with a lot of the technical stuff, uh, and he's been doing an amazing job taking a lot of stuff off my plate and allowing me to focus on marketing. 
Uh, and then as well, we have Rowan um, over at uh, uni in Glasgow, who's also looking for grad jobs and is also amazing. And he's been looking at uh, growth hacks as well, which has been fantastic because the thing is, I, I'm 28 now and it's amazing how different the kind of landscape changes between the ages of sort of 21 and 28. And Rowan's been able to tap into like how people that age actually, whoops, sorry, cat again, uh, how people that age actually think and like what actually motivates them. So he's been able to give me really useful insights and find some amazing growth hacks. So yeah, it's been really good working with them. Yeah, good, good. And what's the, the kind of feedback been like from from companies, obviously, that are getting kind of talent from the, the kind of graduates? Has, has the feedback been kind of good in that sense? Yeah, really good. I think people like hiring graduates because you're kind of getting a, you're getting a combination of a blank slate so you can explain to them how stuff works and they won't have any kind of preconceived ideas around it, which is great. It's not like they're a blank slate in the sense they don't have their own ideas or approaches. One of the biggest issues with, say, software engineering is that that's the way we've always done it kind of syndrome. Um, you know, people think a certain way because they were taught a certain way and that's their values. You know, we write code this way or this is how we do this business process. And you bring a grad in and they're learning something for a new time. Maybe they're able to spot like a, a gap in the logic there and think, why does this work the way it does? Why don't we do this? And they bring new ideas. They bring new understandings of new, say, marketing. They'll bring understandings of TikTok and that kind of thing. Uh, they just bring fresh approaches. And I just think everyone that hires a grad is glad they did, um, in, in, in my experience, because they, they bring a lot of amazing ideas and energy. And they're always good value on social uh, occasions, I find, as well. <laughs> yeah. That's great to hear. Thinking about somebody else in a kind of similar situation to you, obviously working as a software engineer, but has that kind of idea of starting a company, what would your kind of main advice be to them? Obviously, you've kind of started it on the side. Yeah, mm-hmm. any advice that you could kind of pass on? So in this situation, I'm imagining this person's already had an idea that they sort of semi-validated to themselves. I yeah. would say dual bit of advice would be one, as I mentioned before, keep it fun. Like if you're not going to enjoy working on like it could be the best problem in the world to solve. But if you're not going to enjoy working on it, you're ultimately not going to keep it up because it is going to be tough and it is going to be an uphill battle uh, sometimes. So one, keep it fun. You can do that however you want. Gamify it however you want. Maybe say, oh, I have to do X amount per day or like set and set yourself good targets. Or it could be using a new programming language that you're really, really enthusiastic about and you want to learn more of. Or, you know, it could be that the marketing is something you really enjoy. Um, so I, I, I would advise them that. And then I would also advise as well, hit marketing as soon as possible, like build the MVP. It's okay if there's some problems your early users will understand, um, and then hit the marketing. Marketing is so underrated, so important. Um, and I think the most underrated type of marketing is stuff like this content marketing, um, yeah. where you're able to get your brand out there by in a really organic way either be by being interviewed like i am now or by hosting your own stuff or or running your own things like i have a tiktok page that's been doing well and i've been hosting my own unrelated podcast where i've just been able to plug this uh so you know that that's what i'd say like don't neglect the marketing and keep it fun yeah no that's amazing and in terms of like funding and stuff like that as well has this been Mm -hmm. kind of self-funded by yourself have you had any any kind of external investors or anything see this is the beauty of being a software engineer is the fact that you don't really need to spend money on anything um because you can do yeah. the infrastructure yourself very cheaply and you don't have to pay a coder you could pay for a cat wrangler though uh based on that <laughs> based on that um so yeah you because you don't have to pay for um for anyone to do the coding for you it works out really cheaply i think 
my current spend is like 15 quid a month, which is obviously very manageable. I've had a couple of offers of investment, but it's kind of like, I don't really want a boss and I like job. So like, I, I wouldn't want to quit my job and this is manageable alongside my job anyway. And an investor wants to tell you what to do. So for now, it, it's not something that's even really crossed my radar and I haven't really seen much need for it. I would just put all the money into Google ads and probably lose all the money anyway. So um, probably better <laughs> if I don't have any investment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you obviously could have touched on it there that it's not in your immediate plans, but do you see yourself kind of taking that on full time kind of further down the line or, or what's the plan do you think it's hard to say really yeah it's hard to say who knows what the future holds um i could see this as being something that could run on semi-autopilot so i wouldn't need to take it full time i think what what i could do is once it gets profitable enough and this would buy into the philosophy of what i'm doing i would work with a local student um who would be able to manage a lot of the day-to-day stuff with the platform and obviously i'd pay them of course yeah um, like <laughs> i'm not a fan of unpaid internships at all <laughs> but you know the I, I think the end goal is a lot of the data operations i hand over to a student pay them i maybe look at things for maybe five hours a week um and speak to clients and that kind of thing but it's a it's a really good thing because you give someone really good experience and pay them for it um and then as well the business more or less runs on runs on autopilot uh so I think that's the end goal. I think that's a far more likely scenario than me going full-time because it's a tough business to be full-time. And and as you'll note, it's a tough business to be any kind of full-time rec- uh, in recruitment at all. You touched on kind of some side features with the, the kind of salary and what that means mm-hmm. um, alongside your student loan and stuff. Is there any other kind of features that you want to, to kind of add on that are kind of coming up? Yeah, I mean... I, I can't say too much at the moment, but I've, I've certainly been playing around with the OpenAI's uh, open APIs uh, and seeing what I can do with them. Maybe seeing if I can automatically generate a useful, good formatted CV uh, for people uh, is definitely on the uh, on the radar. Problem is with that, obviously, you have a responsibility to make sure that it, that it is really good. So it's something I've been in the very early stages of testing. But I think in general, AI content would be definitely on our radar because people would i think people would genuinely find it very useful so yeah that's something we're exploring yeah nice and i'm guessing the the kind of idea as well is just to get as many kind of startups and and kind of clients onboarded to the platform as as possible yeah absolutely uh i think um whilst also maintaining kind of good values of the companies like yeah. there are unfortunately unscrupulous companies out there that uh, are unfortunately also very litigious so I won't name them but uh, there are you know it's not impossible to find out if you do some LinkedIn research these companies that just hire and fire grads like exploit them um, so you know I would be very conscious of the ethical side of things but you know bringing on really cool high growth businesses uh, who want to hire graduate talent train them up and hopefully have them start their own businesses to stand the line and then the UK economy just wins because we do have it's really weird we have an amazing startup sector we have amazing universities and academic institutions and yet people don't seem to enter startups until they're like my age like 28 um yeah. and yet they do a few it's years doing a the scheme and they're there yeah exactly like i spent my whole life being told you need to do a big four grad scheme and it i would have hated it completely if i'd gone and gone and worked in an accountancy firm so it's one of those ones where there's a huge gap to Matt and we'd all be winners if it is Matt. And I think we could learn a lot from the Americans who are much more open to going to a uh, to a startup after university and learning that. Yeah. No, that, that brings me on kind of nicely as well. Is it just kind of UK based at the moment? Do you see it 
opening up as well in, in kind of terms of the future? Yeah, so it's, it's only UK at the moment, although a very natural next step would be uh, the Republic of Ireland um, because really, really good tech sector there, particularly for non-technical tech jobs. So, you know, your sales, your, your operations stuff. Um, I mean, in Dublin, there's some fantastic tech sales jobs out there. So uh, we're looking at doing a Dublin launch pretty imminently. So even potentially by the time this goes out, we might have some jobs in Dublin. After that, we're looking at doing America and Canada. It's just natural to particularly America, just with the sheer population and the fact that it's more socially done to go and work for a startup after uni, as, as I said yeah. there. Um, and we've also looked a bit at Germany as well, but then there's a bit of a language barrier there, so it gets a bit complicated. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. And yeah, you obviously touched on it in terms of you, you kind of run your own podcast, um, Career Coder. Do you mind just giving a quick kind of overview of that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I obviously, as, as we discussed, I'm, I'm a career changer. Um, and the whole idea behind that originally was I'm going to interview people that have had interesting career changes. And then it kind of uh, morphed into how everyone got into coding. Because even if people did a comp sci degree, like they still might have had a really interesting route into it or their reasons behind using comp sci, how they discovered it. So Instead, I've just started bringing on people from different backgrounds um, and then as well, some recruiters as well to get their perspective on things. Uh, so, you know, we've had a really interesting, diverse, varied group of people over yes. around 80 episodes. I've started a side series to it uh, called uh, This Is My Stack, which is actually a very nice kind of paired listening to how I built this actually, because how I built this seems to focus quite a lot on the commercial side of building and, and that side of things. Whereas this is my stack is about the technical side of building a high growth business. So, uh, you know, you could definitely have, I, I mean, I wouldn't suggest listening to one in one ear and one in the other, but queue yeah. up next to each other on Spotify, you could have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> See if people are saying the same thing. But yeah, no, that's that's great. And where, if somebody wants to obviously um, kind of listen to the podcast as well as get in touch about their kind of startup, where's best to, to kind of contact you and, and get all that info? Twitter is probably the best, or X as it seems to be called now. Uh, yeah. So that's Cam Blackwood95 <laughs> on there. Usually more responsive on there. I have a lot of LinkedIn noise, unfortunately, because I, I don't know if you found this, um, but when you stick founder or anything vaguely that might look like you're potentially either hiring people or, or just in charge of any kind of budget, like you will be flooded with messages about different products. So um, it's quite difficult to cut through noise on LinkedIn sometimes, but feel free to find me on there uh, under camera Blackwood. But um, yeah, Twitter slash X is probably the best. And then for the uh, Gen Zs uh, among us, uh, I'm Cameron Blackwood Code <laughs> on TikTok. Well, thanks so much for, for coming on to, to chat about the company. I, as I said, I think it's such a great idea and it's definitely a, a massive kind of gap in the market. Yeah, thanks very much. I appreciate the invite, Jack. Thanks very much for listening to How I Built This, brought to you by Cathcart Technology, Scotland's technology recruitment experts. Whatever platform you're listening on, please click the follow button and share the podcast with anyone you think would be interested in listening. If you're a tech leader in Scotland and want to share your story, then please don't hesitate to get in touch. If you work within the tech sector and are looking for a job or looking for some help growing your tech team, then please get in touch with me, Jack Stephen, or follow us on our socials, Cathcart Technology, or via our website, cathcarttechnology.com.